So something pretty significant happened recently, right? Something that's going to kind of shape things for several years, something that you've probably thought about a lot, prayed about a lot, argued about a lot. You've probably lost some sleep. You've lost maybe some relationships over this. And uh, of course, I'm talking about the Marshmallow Peep cereal that came out. Are you, can you guys, have you seen this? I, I can't believe they went there, you know? So I don't know if you thought I was talking about something else. Uh, I don't know if I missed anything this week. But it's been a week, hasn't it? Man, it's been emotional. There's been all of us sitting on the edge of our seat. Everybody's been trying to figure out what on earth is going on. And there's still a little confusion. And man, I, I said to my wife yesterday, I said, what do I say tomorrow? She's like, I have no idea. You know, it's like, what, where are we, you know? But I want to just remind you, um, I wrote this message before the election. I was going to preach it no matter what happened. And uh, whether that was Trump or Biden or Kanye, I know Kanye was, man, he was right there until the end, almost caused an upset. Oh my gosh. But here's the, the, the thing. Some of us are upset today about what happened. Some of us are happy about today, today about what happened. Some of us are still, like I said, just a lot of us confused, I think. Um, I think we're all upset at the rioting and violence. Uh, I think, you know, we're probably in agreement on the fact that we're, we're upset about, you know, the, the way people are treating police. I, I personally have a lot of great police friends. We got some in the room today, and I just want to say every one of these guys and girls that I know personally are the best. They're upstanding, they, and I'm just so thankful for them, you know. And so I just want to say I think we're all kind of like in this similar area of like confused and upset about those things, and yet like I said, there's some of us watching online or here in the room that are like, hey, I'm excited today or, or I'm devastated today, and we're just kind of all over the map. And I just want to remind us, no matter what we feel like, uh, we've got to keep our eyes on the fact that there's a much more important office than the Oval Office, right? There's a much more important seat than the one that's behind the desk in the Oval Office. And it's not a seat, it's actually a throne, and God's still on that throne, isn't he? And as this election has happened... Um, of course, I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. I'm still not sure what the outcome is. You know, it's like, what's going on? But it seems like, uh, you know, Biden has been named this next president, and we got Trump saying he's still going to fight it. And it's just, again, there's just all this uncertainty and uneasiness. And I think that's maybe a category we can all find ourselves in today. Uh, again, whether you're happy, it looks like Trump or, or Biden has won, and, or, or you're unhappy about that. Like, I think we're all in this uneasy area, and maybe even some of that's like kind of like going over toward like God, like God, why, why is this such a weird time? Uh, why did you allow Trump to lose, or, or why did you allow Trump to be in office these last four years, or, or why haven't you stopped this, or why haven't you prolonged this? And I mean, again, there's so many different questions and emotions that we're all feeling and wrestling with right now, and if we don't just stop for a minute and kind of see things from God's perspective, then uh, four things are going to be true of us. Number one, we're going to be fearful, right? We're going to sit around and, and with all the what ifs and we're going to catastrophize everything out and we're going to imagine all the worst case scenarios, right? And so that's one of the things we might wrestle with in this time. Another thing is we, we might just kind of panic, you know? Um, there's always talk around the election time, no matter who's running, that if so-and-so wins, I'm moving to another country, you know? I've never seen anybody do that, by the way. Everybody's talking big. I'm moving to Canada. I'm moving to Australia. All right, well, if you don't mind freezing to death in the north and being eaten by a spider the size of a Volkswagen in Australia, then good luck with that, right? 
Uh, the third thing is we'll, we'll just take things into our own hands. We'll go, all right, well, if God's not going to kind of defend my side, then I'm going to defend my side. And we start blasting the other side, and we forget that there's people we love on the other side, and we forget that there's people that need Jesus on the other side, and so we can wrestle with that. I think another thing we can do is we can really become defiant. We can just decide, you know what, if I don't like this leader, then I'm not going to submit, I'm not going to listen, I'm just going to do everything I can to to cause an issue, I'm going to get my bumper stickers and a billboard, and I'm going to make shirts and bracelets and hats, and just going to get the word out that I'm upset. And so what do we do if we're unhappy, but what do we do if we're happy? What do we do if we're on one side or the other of this? What, what do we do if we're not supposed to be fearful or panic or take things into our own hands or become defiant or if we're really happy, we're not supposed to gloat, we're not supposed to brag, or we're not supposed to, like what do we do in the midst of all this? So we're going to look to the scripture today and I think find some encouragement and some leading. Like I said, I wrote this before the election and we're going to look at Romans 13 verse 1 and we're going to actually start at the second half of the verse. It says this, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And so what that means is, right up front for us all, is God is sovereign over who won. God is sovereign over this election. God is sovereign over the challenging of who won. God is, I mean, he's over all of us. So what does it mean that he's sovereign? Well, you can read the definition with me. It's this, all things are under God's rule and control and that nothing happens without his direction or permission. And so all things, election included, are under God's control. And this is where we get a little confused and we start to say, but wait, now, did I have a free choice? Did I actually vote? Or am I a robot, right? Am I I free on Tuesday when I cast my vote? Was was that me doing that or was that God doing that? Or, Or is he sovereign over all of the things that happen, right? So is God sovereign or or did I make a free choice? And the answer is yes. (laughs) The answer is yes. And if you come back next week, I'll tell you how. Thanks for being with us today and I hope you have a good one. Uh, No, what does that mean? How can I say yes, we're free and yes, God's sovereign? Well, Tim Keller helps us out a lot and I shorten this a bit, but he says this, you can read with me. We believe either we have free will and we're responsible for our choices and our choices matter, Or something has set and fixed the future and then our choices don't matter. And so we only see it one of those two ways. It's either or, right? But then he goes on. But in the Bible, it's never either or. It's always this. You are free and you are responsible. And your choices matter and you're responsible for your choices. And no one is forcing you to make those choices. And yet every single thing that has happened as a result of those choices is working out exactly according to the plan of God. And it's not just that God foresees what you're going to do, but rather what you do fits in with the course that he wants history to take. Got smoke coming out of your ears. I see it, every single one of you right now. Like, how does this work? Now, see, he talks for a while about how, as these Western minds, we struggle with this concept. And then he talks about how, in in the Eastern world, it's super easy for people to understand this concept. And then he goes on a little more. He says, you say, how can that be? That's because you're a Westerner. And it's always either or. Why does it have to be either or? Isn't it possible that God can actually fix things and work things out at the same time not violate your free will? Why can't God do that? And then you and I say, well, I can't imagine how I would do it. And Tim says, of course you can't, but you're underqualified for this job of God. And so we start with 
okay, deep breath, like, like God's sovereign, but, but I don't know how that works without him violating my free will. Well, I don't know how God pulls off a lot of the impossible things he pulls off, right? Like, I don't know how he got Jesus up out of a grave after he was crucified. I don't know how he brought peace to your life in so many times of distress. I don't know how he's healed so many marriages in the room. I don't know how he's freed so many of us from different struggles and addictions. I don't know how we walk around with joy, but we do. And so there's lots of things. Maybe I can't tell you exactly how God pulled off, but this is incredible news that God is sovereign because it means that our lives and our nation are in bigger hands than our own. And so we can have peace today. It's not like God woke up at 7 a.m. this morning and turned on Fox News or CNN. It's like, what's going on? Where are we? What's Tucker saying? What's Anderson saying? Like, like we got to figure, somebody, somebody inform me, right? He wasn't surprised. God's sovereign over what's happening, which means we can have hope and not despair. So we go, what now? Okay, if that's true and if God's actually sovereign, then what do we do, right? Because that's the big question. Well, it goes on. Actually, we're going to jump back to the beginning of the verse. The first half of the verse where you read says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Some translations say submit to the governing authorities. What does that look like? Well, Tom Constable helps us out. It says this, subjection or submission involves placing oneself under the authority of another and doing or not doing what the authority requires. Paul did not say obey. Submission includes obedience, but it also includes an attitude from which the obedience springs. Submission involves an attitude of compliance and deference that is not necessarily present in obedience. Submission, listen, is essentially support. Now that kind of hurts if you didn't get what you wanted in the election, right? Some of you guys are like, just give me a couple days, Doug. Like, it's a little fresh here, you know, let's talk in March, right? But what is this idea of a heart from which obedience springs? Listen, it doesn't mean we agree with the president or the past president or wherever you are. It doesn't mean you agree on every issue. It doesn't mean you can't voice your opinion. But again, as I've been saying for months now, how will we do it? Will we do it lovingly, respectfully? Then there's a big objection, of course. What if the leaders say, I have to do something that would go against what God would have me do? Well, there's this beautiful story in Acts chapter 5. Peter is healing all kinds of people. And for whatever reason, the authorities of that time decided to arrest him because he was doing all this in the name of Jesus. And can you imagine him in prison and the conversations he must have had as he looked to the person to his right and said, what are you in for? And he said, ah, murder. And the person to his left, what are you in for? I stole a bunch of stuff. And they said, Peter, what are you in for? Ah, the power of God was working through me so powerfully that, you know, lame people are walking and blind people are seeing. And like, this is what happened here. And as he is... Under their authority, they say to him, you have got to stop talking about this Jesus. You've got to stop saying that we crucified him and it's our fault he died. And you have to also stop saying that he rose back from the dead and that people should follow him. And do you remember Peter's great response? He says, we must obey God rather than men. Right? And so if the authorities at any time say, you must do this, and it goes against what God says, then at that point, you and I as followers of Jesus say, we must obey God rather than men. So that's what we do when things feel a little uncomfortable, when things begin to feel like, wait, 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 this feels like it's in violation of what the scriptures say. That's what we do then. But everything short of that, we have a submission that comes from a heart that obedience is springing from. So let me ask you this, because again, 
Crazy world we're living in. If you weren't happy about Trump last time, would you say that you had a heart from which obedience sprung from? If you're not happy about Biden this time, would you say you're going into this with a heart from which obedience is springing from? Again, anything short of against the word of God, against God's heart for us. Now, some of you guys might say, okay, Paul must have had it easy when he wrote this. Clearly, I mean, he must have been like George Washington was the leader in his day. You know, like this must have been this incredible leader. And it must have been so easy. The culture probably looked nothing like our culture. It probably was just this very godly culture. I got to tell you, their culture gave our culture a run for its money. Paul was writing to the Romans here, right? The Roman culture, uh, I hate to say, we're starting to more and more mirror them, honestly, in what, what we look like. But in that day, it really was worse and the leadership was so ungodly, they were crucifying Christians and killing them eventually, right? And so Paul was not living in this easy culture so that it was easy for him to say these things. So what do we continue to aim at here in verse 2? It says, Consequently, whoever rebels against the authorities rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves, And so we need, again, anything short of, of them asking us to do something that is not godly, we, we need to do what the authority is saying. And then verse 4 says, for the one, the one in authority is God's servant for your good. And again, this is where we kind of bang our heads against the wall because, again, if you didn't like Trump, you're going, how is he God's servant for good? If you don't like Biden, you're going, how is he God's servant for good? I don't understand this. We see sometimes we can't quite see it, but God is still using someone for his good to accomplish his purposes. And the best example I can think of is Satan himself. And I'm not calling Trump or Biden Satan, so don't give me an email, all right? But what happened with Satan is such incredible clarity, uh, such, brings such incredible clarity to how someone can be used by God even when they certainly wouldn't associate themselves as a servant of God. Like, I think Satan worked pretty hard to distance himself from any idea that he would be working for God, you know, with all the condemner, accuser, prince of darkness stuff, right? And so how does this work? Well, think about it. Here's Satan watching them drive nails into Jesus' hands, and he's thinking, I did it. I won. And Jesus is going, nope, just give me 72 hours, right? Because in 72 hours, I'll be back. I will have risen from the dead. And Satan, you will have realized that you were used to accomplish the purposes of God because God knew something. If there's no crucifixion, there is no resurrection. And if there's no resurrection, there is no salvation, and I think Satan's still kicking himself today for falling for that one. And so even when we can't see it, a leader is used by God to accomplish his purposes, whether we see it clearly or not. And so we honor God by honoring them. It goes on, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, listen, but also as a matter of conscience. And so ultimately what we have to realize is when we're obeying a leader, we're ultimately obeying God, right? And when we dishonor a leader, we ultimately dishonor God. And so he brings this whole idea of not just doing it because we're afraid to get in trouble, but there's this matter of conscience. Like, I'm doing what I'm doing or not doing. I'm doing it as unto God, ultimately. And it goes on in verse 6, and we're going to love this first part. This is also why you pay your taxes. That's actually in the Bible. Did you know that? For the authorities are God's servant who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Wow honor. 
Like, think about that word for a minute. Again, if you, if you were unhappy with Trump for the last four years, would you say you honored him? If you're unhappy about Biden coming forward here now, are, are, would you say that there's this, there's this thing in your heart that's ready to honor him? How do we do that? What's one of the best ways we could honor our leaders? Well, look what it says in 1 Timothy 2. This is still Paul writing. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then verse 2 says, for kings and all those in authority. Praying for our leaders. I have to tell you something, and you know this is true. Because you've probably prayed for somebody and you've seen this happen. But here's what I need you to see today. Praying for our leaders not only changes their heart, but ours, right? Praying for our leaders not only changes their heart, but ours. Like, we're going to pray for President Biden or, you know, this, I know, again, Trump's saying it, he's saying over yet, so whatever. Again, I'm not the commentator on that. Thank Jesus for that. I don't have to convince you of any of that. Go ahead and watch the news and decide and all that. But whoever it's going to be, the heart is, God, we're going we're gonna to pray for these leaders. Because as we pray for them, I mean, again, I pray salvation for both. I don't know that either Trump or Biden are believers. So let's pray for them both. Let's pray for the vice president. Let's pray for the leaders that have now come into Senate and Congress and locally, right? And be praying for them. And yes, maybe, just maybe God's going to change their heart, right? But he's certainly going to change ours. It's really hard to hate somebody you pray for every day. And some of us have walked in the power of that. Some of us have seen the power of that. And what's interesting is we're going to see how much it changes us. Because then it goes on, after he tells us to pray for all these people and even give thanks for them, it says that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Like, isn't that incredible? As we pray for them, we suddenly are finding that there's this peaceful life flowing out of us. There's this godly life flowing out of us. And I have to tell you, the people in our offices, in our schools, and on our social media profiles are looking for reasons to discount us as followers of Jesus. Like they're, they're kind of waiting just to see how are they going to respond right now. If they're happy, are they going to gloat and be jerks about it? If they're sad, are they going to, you know, mourn publicly and say it's all over and show this despair? Or are we going to show that, no, we don't gloat when we win and we don't despair when we lose? Because, again, there's a sovereign God involved in this scenario. And so it's so important now that there's this flowing out of our lives. And I have to tell you, it's not just about how we treat them. Hear me. It is also very much about how we treat each other. Do you remember when we were kids? Some of you kids that remember now? Remember right now? <laughs> and you're fighting with your siblings outside because your brother threw a rock at you or you're playing baseball and your, your sister quit on you. And Oh, man. And, and there's this big outdoor fight. And then you realize, you remember, oh, my gosh, the neighbors are watching, Right? Like, the, like that old lady's got the, the thing, the blinds, you know, she's looking, you're just seeing a creepy eyeball looking out at you, arguing on the lawn, right? I got to just tell everybody here today, guys, our neighbors are watching. The neighbors are watching how we treat one another. And unfortunately, social media is, is social. It's public. And they can see what we write and they can see how we interact and they can see how we argue and we fight. And they're looking at us like, what a joke. Again, I'm not saying we don't stand up for what we believe in. I think that's important. I think it's really important. 
but will we do it in love? Like the, the kids out on the lawn, they can disagree. I mean, the, the, the brother shouldn't have thrown the rock at the sister. That's a conversation right that, that That needs to happen, right? But how's it going to happen? And so I just say for you and I in this hour, we have an opportunity. I was talking with a pastor last night. We ran into each other at a wedding. We were just saying, you know, if we could just get that right now the most important thing is that we shine brightly for Christ, that we love well. Yes, we stand up for what we believe in, but there's a way to do that in love. There's a way to do that in compassion. There's a way to be gracious and loving in the midst of all that we're walking through right now. And that's the most important thing for you and me, is that we want the loudest thing to be Christ. And so we've prayed, right, for our leaders, as Paul tells Timothy, and then we're living these lives of, of peace and goodness and holiness. And look at this. It says in verse 3, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. I, I just have to say, isn't it interesting how there's all these dots that kind of connect here, aren't there? Right? He says, okay, pray for your leaders. Then you'll live these kinds of lives of peace. And then that's going to please God. And then here we're now synced up with the heart of God who is that many will come to know him. So somehow, as I pray for my leaders and live a different way, I'm synced up with the heart of God to save the lost, right? Again, I love that that is still the focus here. Like that is still the heart of Paul as he writes all of these different scriptures out, is that we pray for leaders, we live a life a certain way, we honor God, and then suddenly people are looking and saying, wow, I want that salvation. That's the loudest thing about us. So let me give you some tests, okay? In the five days since the election... Have you prayed more for Trump and Biden or criticized more? Right, even in the midst of the confusion, as we were waiting and waiting and waiting, is they going to announce something? Like, have we prayed for these men and their vice presidents and their families or more, or have we kind of like criticized more? Again, I'm all for standing up for what we believe, and we've got to. We've got to look at what the Word of God says, and we've got to say, hey, wait, what about this issue? What about that issue? We're going to stand up for this, and we're going to do that. Like, like we need to do that as the people of God. But here is Paul saying, Timothy, here's how we handle authority. Here's how we handle leadership. We submit to it, and we pray for them, and then we live a different way. Another question. Would you say that since the election... You and I, we've handled ourselves in a way that's characterized by peaceful and holy and godly. In social media, and conversations in the office and at school, have we prayed? Have we made it clear? I have to say I'm, I'm proud of several of, of my friends. I saw actually many of you guys when the news broke as they began to say, I believe it was, I can't remember now, I don't even know what day it is. Is it like Thursday or something? What's, what's today? I, I think uh, as it broke last night or yesterday, you know, announcing that Biden has, you know, become this next president. I saw many of you post prayers for this president and say, God, we pray that he will follow you. God, we pray that he'll honor you. We pray he'll love you. We pray his heart will be open to you. We pray like, yes, like that's how we respond right now. And we show the world that there's another kingdom than this one, right? We show the world that there's still peace we can walk in, and our Savior is everything to us. And, and I don't know about you, but this last year has made me long for heaven more than ever. Like there's a whole other kingdom, right? There's a whole other eternity that we wait on 
that we look toward and we say, oh God, these last seven months just make me long for you and make me long for where we're going to be one day and there's going to be no more, more war and there's going to be no more strife and there's going to be unity and Lord, we want to walk in that. Guys, that's a good thing. Like, if you long for heaven, let me say this. You have a purpose here and now. Don't you go too soon. But you and I are supposed to long for heaven. The brokenness here is a part of that. That when we get there, all of the wrongs are righted. And all of the broken things undone. And so, I don't know where you're at today, but I want you to be at peace. And I want you to live a life of peace. And I know we live in a turbulent time, and I know if you're happy about Biden being elected, then you're a little nervous about Trump saying, I'm challenging this. And if you're upset that Biden was, uh, was victorious, then you're, you're happy Trump saying, hey, I'm still in this. And, and again, there's all this angst, and we all know like waiting's the worst part of it all. But I want you to be at peace today. And I want you to know that there is still a sovereign God on a throne, and that everything is under his control and that he has you in the palm of your hand. And as I wrote on social media this week, his faithful promises to you don't depend on an election. They don't depend on the outcome of an election. He's going to be faithful to you either way. doesn't mean that life isn't going to be harder one way or the other for you. I don't know where you are. I don't know how, how you're, you know, we're fearing, oh, what if the economy this? Or what if this right's taken? Okay, well, there's still a God saying that he's going to be faithful to us. And he's going to use this season. And so simply what I want you to remember this week is God is sovereign over the election. God is sovereign over the election. Happy, sad, mad, glad. God is uh, is sovereign over the the election. And again, if you're in the unhappy camp, I just want you to think about this question, but how can God use this for good? Well, let's go back to the crucifixion of Jesus and you see, imagine an angel's perspective uh, as he's seeing the, the nails driven into Jesus' hands and feet going, no, this is wrong, this can't be right. And yet this was the very plan of God to redeem you and I and rescue you and me. Somebody once said, if we saw everything like God sees it, we wouldn't change one thing. We wouldn't change one thing. That includes all the broken stuff. Because all things for good, right? All things accomplishing his purpose. And if you're you're happy about what's happening here today, I just, again, encourage you. uh, It's it's probably going to be easy for you, right, to surrender and submit. It's probably going to be easier for you to to have a heart that obedience springs from. But I would ask you to be very peaceful in the way that you communicate that. And that you have kind and loving conversations with those on the other side of the aisle. But what do we do? What does it look like? Well, I want to encourage you guys to pray for the president every single day. If If we could commit to that as a church, can you imagine the power of that? Can you imagine what God might do in his heart? Can you imagine what God would do in our hearts? Can you imagine if the message that the president received is those Christians are praying for you? That's powerful. That's something that, if I'm honest, I historically, whether it's Republican or Democrat in the office, I have not been great at. I have prayed for them, but I can't say I've prayed for them every single day. I just wonder what that would look like for you and me. And then we live lives that are peaceful and quiet and godly and holy. And so we're going to post online and we have to look through that lens. Peaceful, quiet, holy, godly. Like if I can post this 
and be those things, then I'm going to go for it. Again, I am not saying we do not stand up for what we believe in. We need to, right? The country was founded on people standing up for what they believe in. And so that is a good and godly thing to do. But will we do it in a peaceful, quiet, holy, and godly way? Because that's what the scripture calls us to do. I told you that I wrote this message before the election. What I didn't tell you is that I wrote this message before the last election, too. In fact, four years ago, I preached almost word for word this exact message. And as I began working on a new message this time around, and I'm thinking, oh man, what am I going to say here? And how's this all going to work? And the one thought I did have as I was going through it is that I didn't want to use the same verses I, I used last time. So I opened up that document. And I began to just read through, okay, okay, so Romans 13, okay, Romans 13, I went to 1 Timothy, okay, okay, so I got to, now I know what, what not to preach, because I wouldn't want to preach the same thing, because I'm sure everyone would remember, and I wouldn't want people to hear the same message again, and not one of you had a clue, I'm so thankful that my messages are so memorable, and powerful, and cut to the heart, ingrained in who you are, nah, it's... It's funny, as I was reading it over, I was like, this is exactly what I need to say again. Because, again, I didn't know who was going to win or not, but what we do doesn't change. We just still keep praying and trusting, remembering there's a sovereign God on the throne. We just keep living lives of peace and quiet and godliness and, and holiness and and though I did freshen it up a little bit here and there and, and add some things, there was one thing that I really felt was missing from that message four years ago. And it's this. It's that I, I want to take a second, and if you want to close your eyes, you can. Keep them open if you're going to fall asleep or tune out. But I'd love to read a passage of Scripture over you because I want you to remember that God is in control. I want you to remember how much he's in control. And as I read through that, that message last time, I said, you know, I, I think we need to come around this, especially in the uneasiness, especially in the uncertainty of, of where we are today. And again, whether you're happy or upset about what's going on right now, these verses are going to speak to you because we live in a turbulent time. And maybe you've been losing sleep. Maybe you lost sleep because... Biden's been named president, maybe you're losing sleep because Trump's saying he's still challenging it and, and there's all this unrest. Maybe you've been losing sleep because there's people you love on the other side and you're worried about losing relationships, which we cannot let happen, everybody. Maybe you're upset because we just live in a, 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 such a, a wacky time, it's such a strange year, and now this. And so I just want to read Isaiah 40 over you guys. You can close your eyes, you can read along in your Bible if you want to open it real quick, or just let me read it to you. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, 
and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. It doesn't sound to me like God is caught off guard right now. You may love what happened. You may hate what's happening. But it sounds to me like God's perfectly in control. And if we honor God by honoring our leaders, if we pray for them, we'll live a peaceful and quiet life. And we may just see a bunch of people come to know our Savior. If you're not a father of Jesus, I want to let you know some incredible news today. You heard me talk several times throughout the message about Jesus having nails driven through his hands. You heard me talk about him being placed in a grave and God rising him back from the dead. And, and all that was done that you and I would find forgiveness and freedom, peace, grace. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You can just pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying in my place. Thank you so much for forgiving me of all of my sin. Thank you, God, that you've shown me today what it looks like to, to find forgiveness, healing, peace, wholeness. Thank you that you rose back from the dead to defeat sin, to rescue me. I thank you for this amazing gift. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope that if you prayed that today, you might reach out to me so I could be praying for you. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to pray now for our leaders. We're going to pray together for our leaders. We're going to remember God is sovereign over this election. And so God, we lift President Biden to you right now. God, it's our prayer that his heart would know you. It's our prayer, Lord, that you would show him your love, your faithfulness, your mercy. That God, he'd lead in a godly way. We want to pray for President Trump today, Lord, and ask the same, that he would know you, 
that he would walk with you, that he would know salvation, that he would lead in a godly way. God, we lift to you the vice presidents. We lift to you the Senate and the Congress. We lift to you our local leaders, God. And we ask you for great grace to be at work. We need you so much, Lord. But God, above all of everything we've prayed for now, we we just want to praise you. We want to celebrate that you are above it all, that you are sitting and thrown above the circle of the earth, that, God, you have not consulted anyone today for counsel or wisdom, that, Lord, you have placed authority in its position, and that, God, you know what you're doing. And so we honor you today. We love you, and we thank you that we can both be at peace and live lives that are peaceful. In your name, amen.